Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in K-State. On today's episode, we welcome Mike Jones, Missouri Tiger Hall of Fame running back who played for the Tigers in the early 1990s and went on to a great pro career in the NFL. He ended up with the St. Louis Rams and is known for the tackle in the 1999 Super Bowl against the Tennessee Titans where he made the game-winning tackle. It was great talking to Mike, and I'm sure you'll all enjoy everything that he has to say about both his career and the game coming up this Saturday. But first, a message from our sponsor. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info, with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Well, good evening, Joe. We're in the week two already. Yes, sir. The Wildcats are 2-0. I don't think after anyone's surprise, but they played a gutsy Troy team, uh, got the victory, took care of business. Um I came away with uh, mixed but good results, as mm-hmm. I would call it. I was pretty happy overall with the game. I noticed Will Howard was a little off, and I think I even mentioned that to you as the game was going on. Wasn't really crisp with his passes, wasn't really accurate, especially in the first half. Right. Um, he, his numbers ended up okay for the game, but, he, you know, he seemed really off there first half and I don't know what the deal is with that obviously didn't affect the outcome of the game at all or anything like that uh that but you know I thought the defense played great Will Lee especially in that first half was all over the field mm-hmm. uh he blanketed whatever receiver he was covering and that's another thing Troy has some good receivers <laughs> they that made some great catches good. and Really, that's kind of what kept them in the game in the first half was just them, their receivers, making some outstanding catches. But anyway, back to Will Lee, I thought he played outstanding there in the first half. Just was all over the field, really played great. And between him and Jacob Parrish, I think we have a couple of the best cornerbacks in the in the league, obviously, I haven't seen them all in person or very many right. in person as far as this year's rosters, but I can't imagine any other team having better cornerbacks than we have. 
No, I, I can't agree with you more, Joe. Uh, I was very impressed with Will Lee, especially his ability to be able to come up and um, tackle. Right. Uh, yeah. Especially uh, into the boundary. He was very aggressive in tackling. He got his first interception, which has contributed to uh, some great pressure we had as well. But 42 to 13, Joe, we still can't complain. But I yeah. think there was a couple key moments. The Phillip Brooks touchdown right before the half, mm -hmm. I think, really changed the momentum of the entire game. It was pretty a nip and tuck game until that touchdown. And then I thought we really got a little breathing room. Yeah, we really needed that touchdown there at the end of the half. And I was happy to see that. I was a little bit nervous right before that happened. I thought, well, we got it. We got to get things going here. And uh, kind of put things away here, but you know that Troy was sticking around, and we talked about last week. You know they're a good team, they're a good program. Uh, they weren't just going to lay down coming to Manhattan. You know they they played pretty well, especially in that first half. So yeah, that uh, touchdown to Brooks right before halftime was huge. It was huge in the game. No, it was a it was a momentum changer. Uh, the game itself, uh, I did like the way Troy really adjusted and almost kind of for a period shut our run game down. Um, yes. They yeah. were they were doing some movement up front. They was um, stemming and stunting and, and getting off blocks. They did an incredible job containing our run game for a period. And Collins was stubborn to stay with it. He finally yeah. opened it up a little bit and kind of got away from it. But then we had some success later once we got the passing game back in order and we made a few adjustments. But I think that's something that we're definitely going to have to adjust coming into the Missouri game because I think the Missouri defense overall is a better unit than Troy. But Troy's front seven did play well. Yeah, they did. And that I'm glad you mentioned that because – yeah, it was two or three drives there in a row where we weren't getting any yards rushing. And it, like you said, Troy shut us down pretty good. Yeah, that did concern me. But then, like you said, near the end of the game, it really wasn't a concern. Because right. the passing game got going, that opened up the rushing holes. So, yeah, I, we'll, be, we'll have to run the ball against Missouri. That There's no doubt about that. We want to no, win that we game. We definitely have to run the ball against Missouri. Um, before we're going to have a guest today, uh, Joe, Mike Jones, former linebacker slash fullback for the University of Missouri Tiger, but is most famous for his the tackle of the Super Bowl over Tennessee where the Rams won the Super Bowl in 2000. Uh, he's going to join us here in about 10 minutes on the show. Uh, to talk about this upcoming Mizzou-K-State kind of renewed rivalry. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to him and meeting him. And you've known him for a long time, played against him when you played at K-State, and he played at Missouri. So you go way back. No, no doubt. But I do want to talk about our big ballers of the game, and I think we kind of know where we're heading. But some contenders, first and foremost, is Mr. Will Lee. Uh, Will Lee had, a, had an interception, two tackles for loss, uh, plus another total six solo tackles. 
Very impressive day. He was everywhere around the ball. And you could just see the excitement and the impact that he made from the secondary position. And like I said earlier, I was very impressed with him in coming up and making tackles. Absolutely. Yeah, we talked about him earlier, and I was very impressed with him in the first half. And he was – they were blocking him pretty well. <laughs> and he was getting off those blocks and still getting to the running back. Yeah, so, but, yeah, he was very physical at the point of attack. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He was able to get off the blocks, shed it, hold his ground, play his position to be physical and make some tackles, which is very impressive. Yeah. Uh, another candidate for the big baller of the day still has to go to Will Howard. Even though he looked shaky, he was still 21 of 32 with three touchdowns. Uh, he did mm -hmm. have 250 yards. Uh, and two rushing touchdowns, I believe. And two rushing touchdowns. And he rushed for 33 yards with an average of 4.1. So not a shabby day. No. The one interception was not good, though. That was, no. that was, I don't know where he was going. He lost sight of the ball or what was happening, but that was not a good interception, meaning that it was just very blatant. Right. Uh, so he's definitely one of my contenders. Also, Phillip Brooks, seven receptions, 94 yards, and a touchdown. I thought that Phillip Brooks really was explosive and electric on that touchdown. A lot of people thought that was just going to be a normal crossing route, but he turned it on and made it into six points. Mm -hmm. Yep. That was a very, great play. Very impressed with him. So that was, a, that was another one. Uh, and my final contender for the uh, big baller, once again, is – and we say this name every week. I think the guy's just so consistent. Once again, is Austin Moore. Six mm -hmm. tackles, five solo, one assist. He didn't have a sack or interception, but he was just once again steady Eddie for the defense um, that was rock solid, particularly yeah. in the second half. Yep, he's all over the field all the time. And you it's weird. You don't really hear his name much or really notice it much. But then you look at the stats at the end of the game, and he's leading the team at tackles again. No, once so, again, he's right there. But yeah. the overall choice, and I think we've kind of decided this even after the game, is Mr. Willie from St. Louis, Missouri, Kirkwood High School. He's in my neck of the woods. Just came into camp in the spring from Iowa Wesleyan Junior College. I think we've landed a gem uh, of a cornerback who's a guy that was, for those who don't know, Joe, he was very highly recruited. Uh, mm -hmm. Had offers from Alabama, Florida State. We beat out a couple very uh, big-time programs to get him. Uh, and I think he's going to be, along with Jacob Parrish, these two guys are going to make some very uh, exciting corners for the next couple of years. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to watch those two every game, I, I think. Look like we got our good friend Mike Jones to come in. World champion, Super Bowl champion, Mr. Mike Jones. How you doing, my brother? 
You doing great. How about yourself, Reggie? Hey, man, I'm glad you're able to jump in with my good friend, Joe Matthew. Joe is a K-Stater. We do a Believe K-State podcast every week, talking all K-State football and basketball. But we got a big one this week, you know, K-State <laughs> and Mizzou, part two. Mike, thanks right. for joining us. Good to meet you. Hey, nice meeting you as well. Thanks. Hey, Mike, I just want to start off. Uh, me and you, I told Joe, we played against each other uh, a couple of years. You are a couple of years older than me. And you were on the you was playing fullback. So we actually banged heads against each other a yep. couple of times before you switched and went on the defensive side of the ball. Right. Tell me about just your experience of, of the K-State Mizzou rivalry because we would go we go back to the big eight. Yeah, you know what? It was uh, you know, you're talking many, many moons ago, Reggie. <laughs> right. So we had a bunch of, you know, it was a it was a different era in football, but you know, big big A football was up. You know that. I mean, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Colorado, you know, uh, Oklahoma State. You know, you got Barry Sanders. You know, we saw some very talented guys come through that conference, and the the level of play was extremely high. So you know, every week was a battle, and you know, of course, playing against you and K State. You know, it was we both were programs that were trying to to emerge at the time. Right. You know, we both were struggling. You know. You guys, by four, took off, you know, under Coach. Coach did a phenomenal job, you know, still to this day, everyone talks about him. But, um, you know, what he built there, you know, is ironic because we got recruited by the same guy, Coach Cole, we Charlie did. Cole. Yeah. So, you know, me, so there's so many different things. We, we ran parallel and didn't even really know each other and uh, other than playing against each other. So, you know, it was, a, it, was, it was a great experience playing in the Big Eight. I mean, you just had great competition. Every single week, you didn't matter. Didn't know. Didn't matter if you were 0-9 and 9-0. and 0. You, you got someone that was going to play hard every week and play against you. So, and you had some pretty good coaches at the time. So, you know, it, it was it was a challenge. You know, like I said, both our programs were starting to emerge, trying to emerge. You know, we couldn't get over the hump. You know, you guys did a phenomenal job of getting over the hump. So, you know, the the, the years I played against K State, I remember you know, my first year, my freshman year. You know. You know, you guys, it was a it was a tough battle. Year two, same thing. Year three, and then year four. So every year was a battle playing against K State. Yeah. It always was. Hey Joe, just to kind of parallel to what Mike was saying to bring it together, Charlie Cole, who used to coach me at Kansas State, coached at the University of Missouri before oh, okay. he came to Kansas State. So he actually recruited Mike Jones. And then came from the University of Missouri to starter staff at K State a couple of years later. Oh, okay. Is he still around? Now, oh, yeah. Charlie, he's coaching uh, at, Missouri. At Mo Bat. in St. Louis. Yes, he's yeah. still coaching. Oh, okay. Cool. But it's got to be what, what year is this because close to 40? If it's not, it's got to be 40 plus. Yeah, you know, he, he's one of them guys that just, he just can't stop coaching. It, it, the minute he stopped coaching, you know, he's like I say, he he's gonna be one of the guys to coach to the very end. So that's the he loves coaching, he loves impacting young men. You know, just small thing about Coach Cole. I mean, Coach Cole probably had what? Um close to 20 first round draft picks that he actually recruited and signed at the schools he yeah, was he at. Has. You know, has. so yeah, so he's had, you know, twenty plus first rounders, over a hundred plus guys, men that played in the NFL. So I mean, he's a heck of a recruiter and a heck of a coach. Yeah, he's a guy. Joe, he's an alumnus, right? He's a alumni. He's a 
Yep. He's a guy we'll definitely have on the show, Joe, okay. because he actually played baseball at Kansas State. To oh, be okay. ironic. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's a baseball player from the St. Louis area. Uh, go ahead, Joe. You got something for Mike? Well, Mike, just uh, kind of talk a little bit about, you know, I, when I first met Reggie, I wanted to know how he got recruited at A-State kind of his mm -hmm. whole story about his recruitment, how he ended up at K-State, and then kind of his whole career. So could you tell us, you know, how you ended up at Missouri, how your recruitment went, and then, you know, how you ended up, uh, you know, getting drafted in the NFL and maybe kind of talk about your story? My, my story is a little different. I, like I said, when I came out, of, I'm, I'm from the Kansas City area, so when I came out of high school, Mizzou didn't really know what they wanted to do with me. I was a – kind of a hybrid. I I wasn't really a I was a linebacker, didn't know how to play linebacker. I was a running back that didn't know how to run the ball. I I was a wide receiver that wasn't real fast. I was kind of mixed a whole bunch of different things. So when when I got to Mizzou, Mizzou really didn't know what I was going to be. So they I was like one of the first guys they called an athlete because they didn't know what they was going to do with me. So when I got there, I, I fell into something because they ran a wishbone and the best thing for me and probably the worst thing for me because it, it, the best thing meaning I could play early was that I didn't have to learn a lot about reading blocks as a as a fullback and a wishbone. You were on the track, and and typically if, if they gave you the ball, they gave you the ball because there wasn't anybody there. And if they didn't give you the ball, you you about to get light up, lit up. So, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, so it wasn't, real, it wasn't real hard to figure out real fast. If I got the ball, I better figure out how to do something. So, you know, I was forced out to play and start as a freshman, and then, my sophomore year, they moved me to a different position. They moved me to the halfback in the wishbone. So then my junior year, we got a coaching change, and I moved to the tailback in the, in the eye formation. And then my last year, I, as crazy as it sounds, I played four different running back positions in four different systems in in, high, in college. So, But the whole time, it was talk about me playing linebacker. So long story short, I go to the combine as a running back, you know, I do okay. I get to the draft. I'm thinking I'm going to get drafted. As a matter of fact, I, I was the highest rated player at Mizzou my senior year, and I go from the highest rated not getting drafted. And so when I come out, and Reggie knows this, there was another guy that, that people confused me with. His name is Mike Jones, too. And so I got a phone call in the 11th round. That was 12 rounds in the draft. The 11th round, I get a call from Cleveland saying, and then from the Raiders saying, you know, we, we think about taking the 11 round as a linebacker. So I had got calls all during the offseason. I'm confusing Mike Jones and Sense at, at uh, North Carolina State and, and me. So mm -hmm. I thought they had me confused again. So when the draft is almost over, and, and Harold Lewis, who was my agent, he, he called me and said, go to the airport. You're going out to L.A. So at the time, think about this. At the time, the the Rams were an eye formation team, which I wasn't an eye back running back. And then the Ra the Raiders had Bo Jackson, Marcus Allen, and Steve Smith, who was a fullback. So I'm thinking mm -hmm. to myself, why in the world you guys flying me out to L.A. in the 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 city that probably the least place I would go was L.A. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, the Raiders want to talk to you about playing linebacker. I'm like, what? And I, now all this is happening. You got to realize this is pre cell phones. So I'm mm -hmm. talking at my mom's house to my agent. And he's talking me into getting on a plane to fly out to L.A. to possibly move positions the day I don't get drafted. So I had all that together, and I'm up here like, man, this is the, I done got the wrong agent. The guy done ain't representing me right. I'm just thinking all this stuff in my head. So I go out to L.A., 
I work out. They take me out there, and, and I, I ran well running a 40. So my first two 40s, I ran sub four or five at 220 pounds. And then my last, they made me run a third time, which I figured out why, because they wanted to get on, on the clock. I, did, I ran slower than a four or five. I ran a four or five, like one. So I ran like four, four, eight, four, four, seven, and like four, five, one. So then they take me through all the linebacker drills. So I'm, I mean, I, I hadn't played linebacker since high school. Mm -hmm. So I, I go through the drills. They, I take a shower. They bring me back. They say, want to sign me as a linebacker. So I'm like, well, wait a minute. Uh, I mean, I, I have not played linebacker since my senior year in high school. Mm. Nothing. I, I, I had been a running back. I, I hadn't even went to a defensive meeting in college. So I'm like, why are you guys moving me a linebacker? They're like, well, do you know what you did at the combine? I was like, yeah, I did all right. I said, what'd you run? I said, I ran like four or six something. I said, I said, I didn't run well for a running back. He said, he said, I said, I tell well, though. I, I jumped well. I had like a 37, 38 inch vertical. I had like a four, uh, a 10, like a 10, six broad jump. I think I got the longest broad jump there as a running back. He said, well, based on your numbers, you out-tested every linebacker except one guy. And that was Roman Pfeiffer, who was a second round draft pick. So he said, if we're going to give you somewhere around seventh, eighth round money. So if we do well, we got a second round talent for a seventh round money. If we don't do well, it's a 50 50 shot anyway with seven, eight round draft picks anyway. He said, so we're in a win win situation. So mm -hmm. I moved a linebacker. Of course, I had a, a great coach and Gunther Cunningham showed me a lot of different things. I went to World League and learned how to play better with Jim Haslett. So, you know, and, and it was it was a position I should have played. I fought it all during college. They, you know, people talked about me moving, but I didn't want to move. I, I wanted to prove everybody wrong and prove I was a running back. Well, like I said, that cost me second round money. If I would have, I mean, that not saying I would have been a second round draft pick, but if I had a chance to play linebacker, you never know what would have happened. So, mm -hmm. you know, so I always mess with my, and then, and then it goes a step further. The reason why the Raiders even looked at me was because my running back coach filled out a questionnaire. And he said I, he thought I'd be an average running back at best, but he thought I'd be a great linebacker in the NFL. Now, this is my running back coach uh -huh. saying this to the scouts. So that's great that it worked out that way, but it's not great when you don't get drafted. So, Right. Mm -hmm. That's a hell of a story, Mike. And, and some yeah. of that I, I realized, but I did remember that both two names are Mike Jones uh, yeah. coming out of the draft at the same time. Mm -hmm. so, so tell us a little bit, Mike your transition from being with the Raiders to how'd you end up on the Rams roster? Again, like I said, every place I ended up is, is a place I never thought I would be. I never thought I would go to the Raiders. Uh, the Rams, when I got done my, my six year at the Raiders, I was, I was, I was a decent, I was, I wasn't, a, I wasn't the highest rate linebacker, but I was a decent Raider a free agent. So I thought I was going to end up either in Miami or Tampa Bay. And the only reason why I thought that, Jimmy Johnson, and, and when the free agency started, he was blowing Harold up. But he thought, and same with Tampa Bay, they thought because I was an undrafted free agent that they could lowball me. You know, they thought, well, right. he was a free agent. You know, we're going to give him free agent money as a, you know, he's he going to get a, a lot more money than he, what he made, but that's still not what a starting linebacker is getting. So they lowballed me. Tampa Bay did. And they signed another guy. And then Miami kept lowballing me. And what happened, my head coach with the Raiders, Mike White, is best friends with Dick Vermeil. So Mike gets to St. Louis, and 
they call and say they want me to come over to Rams Park. Now, this is four weeks into free agency. Right. So, yeah, all, all the top signs already done. And mind so you, you played you play six years in the league already. Yeah, I played six years. So right. I go to I, – I call uh, my agent and tell him I'm not going over there. He's like, why aren't you going over there? I said, Harold, you got one – he has another linebacker over there. And both of us are represented by Harold. And I and so I knew he was there, Lewis Bush. I don't know if you remember Lewis. Yeah, Lewis was over there. So I'm like, come on, Harold. I can't go over there when not only is another line, I understand another linebacker being there, but another guy that you represent is gonna be over there. That that and so he's like, Mike, go over there. Mike, he wants you to come over there. So I go over there. I didn't even have an official visit. I just go over to Rounds Park just to talk to Mike. Mike takes me in, unbeknownst to me. Mike, I should have known something was up. Mike takes me over to meet Coach Vermeil while Lewis is there, and then I meet with the defensive coordinator. I go back home. I get a phone call. Harold tells me they want to take me to dinner. So I meet Coach Vermeil, Mike White, Peter Junta. We go out to eat. Um, we sit down to eat. They call me back the next day and say they want to sign me. So I end up, that's, that's how I ended up with St. Louis. It wasn't even a, an official visit. It was a guy that used to coach me calling and my agent telling me that I need to go to Rams Park. Two days later, I'm a St. Louis Rams. Wow. Yep. <laughs> great. That's a great story. That's a great story. <laughs> Man, I, I can talk to you all day, Mike. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I, I tell people all the time, I'm I'm like the Forrest Gump of, of the NFL. Stuff you look like, how in the world did Mike Jones end up where he was at? You know, it, it just was just so many different things throughout my course from college to NFL, even coaching high school football. I mean, it, it, I went to Hazelwood East. On, I had never seen them play before. My best friend's a, the assistant head coach. I go watch them the first time, Tell, run my mouth saying, I want to, you know, if you got something over, let me know. The defense coordinator leaves. I get a call a month later asking me if I want to coach at Hazelwood East, and, and then I start coaching high school football. So right. it was just, it just right. stuff. You know, but Reggie knows this. I mean, you people connect and not, you you look at me like, man, how in the world I end up right here? And that's what happened. So, Mike, take me through, I mean, obviously one of your highest moments of your career, the Rams winning the Super Bowl in 2000. You, yep. you know, you make the basically the final play to save the Rams season that's called the tackle in your life took a life of its own, a whirlwind tour after that. Um, walk me through that play. Walk me through what was happening. Were you in the right position? Let's just go through that last play, uh, that tackle against the Titans. Well, in, it, it, it is a defense we ran, and it was our base defense. Uh, we ran a and, – and our, our defense was – the guy that, that started our defense is Bud Carson, and, and everyone that knows Bud Carson, he was the architect of the 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 these Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of people don't realize every place that 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 Bud went, they were number one in every category in defense against the run, against the pass, and against scoring. I mean, he wasn't just good at stopping the pass; he wasn't just good at stopping the run. He wasn't stop good at just in the red zone. He was great at everything. And so the defense we ran was a base defense that the Steelers used to run. The Steelers ran two things. They ran cover two, uh, you know, and then they also ran – it was a – it was they, they ended up changing the cover seven. 
Seven okay. was a, is a dual call. It's it, one side you play one thing, the other side you play another. You play thing. another, right? Yeah, but you can play it anywhere on the field, and that was the beauty of it. So we we ran our base defense. He called it seventy-seven blast. The seventy-seven was seven on both sides, and then the blast was a line stunt. So we and the defense is based on what the offense does. So you'll line up, and if they 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 were in. They were in two wide. They were in two wide receivers, but they had, they they were opened up. So, so um, we we had a call where basically it was a it was basically a zone defense. It was a uh basically like in basketball, it was a match zone. So if someone ran through your zone, you carried them through. Uh, I always had low, uh, low to high vertical. So I had the first guy that would go vertical, but I always had to come back for the low the low cut. So when I when the ball snapped, Kevin, uh, not Kevin, uh, a Wachek, Frank Wachek is going vertical. So when you see it on the film, it looks like I'm running with Frank, and I don't even, I don't know, and, and I just come back. Well, I'm the whole time. You always see the back of my head. I'm running with Frank, but I'm looking through his shoulder at Kevin Dyson. Mm -hmm. So Kevin runs a route, and Reggie, you familiar with this? It's like an angle route for a running back. They'll, they'll run like they're running the flat and they come underneath. Well, they, I'm looking at Kevin. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to kill this guy because he don't even see me. And at the time, same time, I didn't know. They had worked that during the week, and they knew I was going to come off, and their plan was for Kevin to plant and just beat me to the goal line. So I planted when I see Kevin plant, and I'm coming downhill now. Having a running back runner angle route is a whole lot different than a wide receiver because they're exactly. closer to the line of scrimmage. And they're usually quick. They're so quick it went from fast. me getting met my kill shot to me just trying to get them on the ground. And the thing, like I said, the thing that always that, that a lot of people don't realize is when I tackled him, I I wrap him up and I bring my arm around. And when you see me bring my arm around, you see my legs. I'm off the ground. I'm bringing my arm around, and I hit his hit his leg right on the perfect spot. I hit it right on his knee, so he can't do anything but fall. So. He loses basically. He just loses balance and falls, hits the ground, bouncing a roll, and it looks like it's, it's still close, but it's, it's not as close as everyone thought it was. So that was it. We we did what we supposed to, you know. And I say this all the time, you know. You know, everyone asks me what was it like. I'm like, I, I'm not downplaying the downplaying the play. I said, but it's something I did every single day. It was making a tackle. It just so happened it was on the goal line at the Super Bowl. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and everyone, you know, I have a handful of memories of the Super Bowl, of certain plays. You know, I watch the Super Bowl every year, you know, ever since I was a kid. And that's one of the plays that I vividly remember, uh, you making that tackle. And for some reason, that that is always stuck in my head. So, hey. And it's so weird because when the game ends, this is what the thing about the Super Bowl, and Reggie knows this, Everything happens so fast after right. the game. When, right. when 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 the, when it goes double zero, you'll see the confetti coming down. They might show up for about forty five seconds, and they always go to a time uh, a timeout for about a minute. And you got a minute to two minutes to set up the podium to get everybody up there. I mean, it, it's just a madhouse how mm -hmm. they do it. So you know, so and and at that time, we were we were um. We were had those big podiums. I mean, up, that, the 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 podium we had had to be easily fifteen feet up. Right. 
So, but it but it's small, so you can't fit everyone on there. So the game's over with. You know, everyone's celebrating. You know, you take out shoulder pads, and you're trying to get up on the on the stands, and and I'm the guys won't let me in. I'm like, wait a minute. They're <laughs> like, oh, we got too many people on there. I said, oh no, this is not gonna happen. I'm, you're gonna figure out how to get me up on this. this <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I don't know where they're gonna leave me out. Everybody else that was there, you know, it's funny because all the guys that didn't play, I, and no knock on them, I love all my teammates. But the guys that don't play, the first ones on the, on the doggone pedestal. Oh, right. They, they stand there watching. So you got a lot of guys standing there looking like, man, wait a minute. So I think they they changed it. But doing, back then, it was whoever was there first got on the pedestal first. Yeah, that's crazy. Small world. Hey, Mike, before we let you go, a couple things back to Pivot about Mizzou. Talk yep. to me about Drinkeritz. Uh, Eli, he's done a tremendous job of recruiting particularly in the St. Louis and Kansas City area the last mm -hmm. few years that he's been there. Obviously, he's got Luther Burden, the star receiver, five-star. They've been doing very good also this year in the Kansas City area. Talk to mm -hmm. me about where you feel the Mizzou program is at. Uh, is it trending right? Do they got the right leader? Uh, are you confident in, in where they're trying to go as a program? I think they had the right leader. I think we have to, you know, playing in the SEC, this is where, where as a Mizzou fan, we have to we have to start thinking bigger. The SEC is a whole different animal than mm -hmm. every, almost every other conference other than maybe the big team. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about the Tennessees, and I'm going I'm to I'm 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 start at the middle part and work my way up. We'll, we'll say – Florida, which is a which is a sleeping giant. You talk in South Carolina, you know. Then you talk about, then you start going a little higher. Texas A and M, which is doing what you know what they're doing down there. Right. Alabama, Auburn, all these different traditional powerhouses in football that know what it takes to get to that level. We as as fans, we as alumni. We have to take our game to another level. I think Coach Drink understands what it is. He's coaching the SEC, so he understands that. When you play on Saturdays, you understand as a player. I think where we have to grow, as and myself included, as alumni and as fans of Mizzou, we got to take our game to a whole other level. It, I mean, it, that's just the bottom line. You know, the, the kids are the kids. The young men playing or the young men playing, they're going to recruit the best kids possible. The NIL makes a, you know – it can be as level or unlevel as as we make it, and mm -hmm. so and I think that's where it, it it starts and ends at. I think they have the the right AD. I think Desiree does a phenomenal job up there. She's doing a great job. I think Drink is doing a, a very good job. He has good assistant coaches. He's getting the best players that he can. But again, you're dealing with a different animal when you're talking about the SEC. So you got you got to be prepared as a fan and as, as an alumni. To, to, as they say, play accordingly. So what, it, as a Missouri fan and alum, what, I guess, are your expectations for the number of wins, say, every year for Missouri? Or or maybe even that's, a finish that's, that's, in the SEC? Yeah. That's a tough one because the West, uh, well, excuse me, Missouri's in the East, excuse me. So they're in the East. So the East, is a is it is it Georgia's really taking off? So you know you, you got a, a major undertaking in Georgia. 
you know, Tennessee is really coming on. Florida now is a sleeping giant. You know, you don't know what you're going to get in Florida. Florida can be very good or they can be extremely average. It right. all depends on how they manage uh, the games. But I think eight wins annually is very realistic. I think that getting to the SEC championship should be a goal every year because you get the right wins. You, If you get the right wins, you can get to the SEC, SEC championship. And then from there, anything goes. I mean, you get the SEC championship, you got a tremendous shot now with, with 12 teams coming in of making the playoffs. So now, you, now you're now you in playoff talks. But you have got to figure out how to get, first thing is eight wins. Second thing is getting to the SEC championship. And then once you get to the SEC championship, then anything, everything else is possible. Well, Mike, I, 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 I appreciate you saying that because I think a lot of times – the Missouri fan base, and obviously, you know, I live in St. Louis. We live in St. Right. Louis. So mm-hmm. we, we, we're we around it all the time. I think they think the expectations is you can just turn it on and you can all of a sudden get nine and ten wins. I, I, I don't think they understand that it's a progression. Um, oh. You, you, you got to get, you know, six to seven. Then you got to start, like you said, consistently eight wins a couple yep. seasons in a row. Mm-hmm. And then once you take that next step, if the things fall right, you don't always got to necessarily be Georgia, but you got to be competitive and you right. could put yourself in a position to win that division and things fall could fall right. And I, I, I think, you know what, and this ironic thing, Reggie, I really believe, you know, in a cycle of, of they're going to play in four years, Missouri should win one out of four. Right. You get one at home, and I'm, and I'm and I'm dead serious. And the reason why I'm saying that you, when you are playing in conference against a team all the time, that is hard. It's hard to constantly beat people all the time like that. Right. You get, you know, you. I mean, you, you that that team might have a down day. You might be, you know, you might be up more than what you used to. You playing at home, you might be. I mean, there's a whole bunch of factors when you play in division, interconference games. That make it, there's a reason why those games are always tighter because you know them better, right. so you should be able to play them better. And anybody can beat anybody, like you say, because yeah, you because you, you're well, so well, familiar well, with one another. Anybody can win on a, on any given Saturday, on a given right. day, right. 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 right, right, right. You know, you know, I mean, it, talent it, level, talent level, talent level. You can't you can't hide that. So no, you, you can't hide that. You're right. <laughs> It does seem like Drinkwitz is under a lot of heat and pressure and maybe on the hot seat even this season for from uh, a lot of the – or a certain portion of the Missouri fan base. I find that a little bit interesting. It seems – he you know, he's been recruiting lights out in my opinion. I think yep. the, the play on the field has been a little disappointing to a lot of fans. But I, I find it interesting, you know, putting that kind of eight-win consistently – level uh, as an expectation uh i've got a lot of missouri friends and they're just not happy with drink right now uh, so i mean you know what i think you know for, for two things I, I tell you what really hurt drink last year and i'm just gonna be candy losing to k-state last year not knocking k-state but both programs were kind of in the same i think the, the head coach of k-state that was year three for him right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and that was three year three for drink so you gotta yeah. realize it there's certain things you're going to look at, you know, 
why is why is K State in year three went going and, and and winning the Big Twelve or playing for the Big Twelve championship, and we're at six wins and can and, and, and can barely make a bowl game that that that's before Christmas. That, that's yep. a problem. I mean, you can say whatever you want to. That that's a problem. And, and K State has the same similar alumni base. You got the Kansas City area, and you, yep. you got the St. Louis area. Mizzou got Kansas, got St. Louis and Kansas City. So the same fans are looking at the same thing, and they're saying, "Hey, wait a minute, that guy at K State doing a heck of a job over there." And not saying Drink ain't doing a good job, but when you compare comparing apples to apples, you're gonna be like ten wins, six wins. Yeah, they, they, yeah. four win team. I mean, I mean, and and I, like I said, I like Drink, and I think Drink understands that dynamic, and that's part of being a big time coach. When you and, and we make, we, uh, I mess with him all the time. I was like, you know, you know, you can play a little bit, but hey, man, you're getting four million dollars. So, hey, you know what? People are gonna complain when they're paying you four million dollars, no matter what. You can win ten games. They're gonna tell you, you need to win eleven. So exactly. So, so I mean, you, that's just part of that's just the nature of the beast. So hopefully, like I said, um, you know, I think you know, this year, eight wins, you know, a, a better bowl, because SEC, you will get a better bowl by winning eight games. So you'll get a better bowl by winning eight games. And and, and that's again the 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 factor that they need to they need to get into. Eight wins and and, and move from there. Well, yeah. that that's that's why before we wrap this up, Mike, you 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 hit it on the head. I, I think both programs know this Saturday is a pivotal game because mm -hmm. for Missouri, we mentioned it. If they can somehow start off the season 3-0 and yeah. have a victory over the Big 12 champions who mm -hmm. still predicted this year to be one of the top two, three teams in the Big 12, that's mm -hmm. going to go a long way for their confidence and yep. set them up as they begin to go into SEC play. Yep. Same thing for Kansas State. We can't afford – to lose to a team that is perceived to be towards the lower bottom of the SEC. We've right. got to beat that if we want to be a program that is going to be consistently playing for Big 12 championships and having the next higher aspiration, which is to turn that corner and to try to get a playoff bid, we've mm -hmm. got to beat teams like Missouri. So that's Absolutely. what's going to make it compelling this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yep, that that's it. That's it. So, um, yeah. We so, Mike, what are your thoughts about Saturday? Well, Saturday, um, I mean, it's going to be a Saturday's going to be a challenge, without a doubt. Uh, Mizzou, I think last year they walked into something they weren't prepared for. I'll just be candid with you. K, K State came with an energy that Mizzou could not match from from the opening kickoff on. There was there was you could. You could feel the intensity from K State. Mizzou was out there playing football, and and that and that that's not a good when you're playing in a in a hostile environment like like up in Manhattan. That's not a good. That's not good for a team. So when you look at um when you look at this week, I think this week's going to help them from last year's experience. Going to hopefully help them this year to know that when when we got to have intensity, not starting Saturday at eleven o'clock. They had to start. Tuesday when they started practicing to understand what's going on. So should we ask Reggie, should we ask Mike for his official prediction? You're right. We should get Mike's official prediction. <laughs> I think I think we know. He's being too vague. I don't like it. I gotta go with, with, with the Tigers now. Come on. 
You know, I'm, we, I'm, I'm a, we, I'm we know you rock it with the Tigers. Right. We know you. Right. We know you. Uh, you know, I, my, my, seriously, my prediction is this. Like I said, I, I, Mizzou's defense the, the, last week didn't play at the level. They, they learned something last week against Middle Tennessee State. I think they learned that, yes, we have a good defense, but we're only as good as how hard we play. And I don't think they, I don't think the kids don't try. But there is a certain level when you're saying you're a top-level defense, and I think K-State understands this. I think that's where that, – that, that is right now the difference to me. I know offensively, you know, K-State can pound the ball with you, but I think defensively, K-State last year had an edge that was like no other. And I think the Mizzou didn't have that. And, and, and after that game, they started getting better at it. I think last week helped them, I think, to be candid with you, Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee State's game against Mizzou was how they played against K-State last year. It's just that they were just – they just had more athletes and more players and they can beat Middle Tennessee State because of that. I hope – I'm hoping that's a wake-up call. I'm hoping that's one of those games you like you look overlooking someone and now you're going to get down and, get, and, and, and be ready to play ball. Uh, that's what I'm hoping, again. So, you know, my prediction, you know uh, – I, I predict Mizzou twenty-eight, K State twenty-four. <laughs> well, Mike, I would expect hey, nothing less. I would, I'd expect nothing less from you. I'm assuming you're going to be in Columbia. You know, I will be there. I'll be there uh, too. And Joe, yeah, we'll will be catch there. up, guys, for the game start. Yeah, sounds so, good, man. So we'll catch up. I'll hit you on the horn, and we'll be in the parking lot doing a little tailgating before the game. But uh, definitely looking forward to hanging out. You know, okay. I, you know, I'm rocking with the cats. Uh, 42-28. Wow, wow, wow! You, hey, man! Oh goodness, great! Are they gonna run two kicks back or something? I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna do something. <laughs> we're gonna do something <laughs> on the special team. We're gonna okay. do something. Uh, you know what? That, that's a, you know what, Reggie? That's a good point, though. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't take that into consideration. K State does play great deep. Great special we, teams. We average forty points a game, and I and the. The conditions are going to be suitable because we can't always ask for a great – your offense is going to click. They're going to move the ball a little bit. But I think our offense got a few wrinkles, and we didn't play as well even though we scored 42 points against Troy last week. I think they got a little chip on their shoulder. So mm -hmm. uh, so I, I look forward to be uh, – I look forward to be nip and tuck. Uh, but I think the difference would be something in the special teams, either punt or kickoff. Yep. Okay. Well, that, that that makes sense. All right, Mike. Mike, All right. Mike. Hey, appreciate we you, appreciate you. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Thank you. Yeah. See you this weekend. Have a good one. Well, Joe, that was very entertaining with Mike Jones. Appreciate yeah. him taking the time. Good stuff. Going over some stuff with us. Believe in K State. Hey, as we wrap this up. I'm excited about the Cats' chances this week. A little bullish on the 42-28. Might be a little bit closer than that. But I do think in the end that K-State is used to going on the road in hostile environments. I, I think Kleiman does something to get his team ready. They went into Oklahoma last year when Oklahoma was ranked very high. I don't think they're afraid of the moment. They understand the Mizzou rivalry. They know it's a little bit personal, um, not in a sense of as a KU rivalry, but they know this is kind of a bragging rights 
a little bit in the kind of, you know, local territory, so to speak. So I think the guys will be prepared. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I think it'll be something around the score of 31 to 28. Missouri fans seem to think they're going to get blown out in this one. I just I just don't see it. I think it's going to be a close game most of the way. But I think K-State's going to do enough to get it done. If you compare the coaching staffs, I don't think there's a comparison between the two. I mean, Clem is going to outcoach Drinkwitz. I think that's obvious. So, I, you know, the coaching gives K-State a huge advantage over Missouri, even though the talent on the field is probably pretty even. So, I think that's that's how K-State wins the game. All right, that'll work. Well, looking forward to it, Joe. I will touch base with you later. Looking forward to tipping a cold one with you early Saturday morning. Sounds good, cats, man. Before the Cats go out and take care of business against the Missouri Tigers. All right. Sounds good. We'll see you Saturday. See you Saturday. All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.